Blog Talk Radio. having you here. we got 60 minutes of great radio talk for you today. We're going to be speaking with author Charlie Donnelly, talking about his latest book, Don't Believe It. And then we are going to be joined by Sisters in Crime, and they're going to be talking about their organization. Their, uh, they got a bunch of other things going on. And we're going to be talking with them on the second half hour of the show. We want to remind you all that, of course, all of our shows are brought to you by Kingsington Books. So please make sure you visit KensingtonBooks.com for more information on their authors, including Charlie, and all of their uh, books that they have going out. Uh, we also want to remind you that this is, you know, Happy Memorial Day this weekend. It's uh, great that we're able to have, a, hopefully you're able to be off and have a three-day weekend and spend it with your family or however you want to spend it, do it up. Um, and basically, you know, we're going to be taking the month of July off like we always do because it's the summertime, a lot of conferences go on. But it kind of gives us time to kind of reboot. So our, we're only going to, I think, have two more shows left for before that happens until July, and then we'll be off. So we'll be back again in two weeks uh, from today for our next show. So without any further ado, I want to go ahead and bring on my first guest of the show. And, of course, he is international best-selling author Charlie Donnelly, and the latest book that he has out is called Don't Believe It. So, Charlie, we want to thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? Good, John. Thanks for having me. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Yes. Um, it's always nice when Memorial Day comes because at least that means that more vacation day or more holidays start coming quicker because when you start going from New Year's to Memorial Day, that's a long stretch of really nothing. It's a long haul, but you're you're in L.A. We're, I'm in Chicago, so we went from there, – there was snow on the ground six weeks ago, and now it's 90 degrees, so we, we had no spring, yeah. and we went right from winter to, to summer. We've had our normal progression of, uh, you know, we went through our winter time, which winter time for us is, you know, 50 degrees and cloudy and some rain, and like yesterday it was 68, a little cloudy, then the sun came out. That's kind of like our spring, but – um, people are familiar and they're not really know what May gray means. Well, May gray is like you get a lot of gray days. You get a lot of clouds that come in, not a lot of rain, not really that, you know, uh, not really that warm, but it gets into like the mid seventies and then you got June gloom, which is a lot more gloomier. And then it starts really going. So if you want to visit LA, tell people you want to come around July <laughs> and you want to kind of make it. And then you can kind of go through the end of the year. But you know, right around these times is when it really, it's really funny. From March, April, May, June, it's like, it's kind of a gloomy time. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I would take that. I mean, in, in Chicago, we had, I think this has been our wettest, close to our wettest May. So we've had 
it's been really cold and rainy. And so now everyone's running around, you know, ecstatic that we have some sunshine and it's warm finally. Yeah, I used but to hear people it, in New I'll York talking about that, and it's like, yeah, there's no climate change right now, is there? No, as your spring has never really started, like you just said. You know, you just jumped right into summer because there was no spring. <laughs> That's right. It goes right from winter to summer. But anyways, we made it. Exactly. So, hey, it's great to have you back on, and it's great to to talk to you about your latest book here. Um, it's called Don't Believe It, and the book actually came out – um, what was it? I think it came out the beginning of May, right? Oh, no, May 29th. So the book's yeah, just coming out. Tuesday. Tuesday Sorry, after Memorial Tuesday. Day, yeah. I thought I thought when I looked at it before, I thought it was like May 2nd or something. That's what I thought at the beginning. So I had one letter right. I had one number right, the, the, the two. Um, so, yeah, so the book comes out Tuesday. So why don't you uh, give us the inside scoop of what you got going on? Okay, well, uh, don't believe it is – my third thriller it's the story of um, a filmmaker who's creating a true crime documentary in the same vein as serial or making a murder uh, about the case of an American medical student who was convicted of killing her boyfriend in St. Lucia uh, 10 years ago the crime happens in 2007 Uh, the medical student's name is Grace Siebold and she spent uh, the last 10 years in a St. Lucian jail when she reaches out to this well-known filmmaker to look into her case in the hopes that uh, new evidence could be discovered to exonerate her. Um, so it's, it's in the same vein as all these popular true crime documentaries that are going on right now. Our, our hero, or our protagonist, is Sidney Ryan. She's the true crime documentarian who ultimately agrees to look into Grace's conviction. She flies to St. Lucia and starts uh, her preliminary investigation, and she thinks she sees enough potential that she might have the next true crime hit on her hands. So she starts creating this real-time documentary with the uh, thought that she's going to kind of do a a recreate, that she's going to create kind of a retelling of this 10-year-old crime. But ultimately, her investigation uncovers new evidence and secrets and some grisly details about the case that were never discovered originally. And uh, all of this leads uh, Sydney on her quest to find the truth about Grace and what happened in St. Lucia all those years ago. So that's the gist of it. And as it says on the inside cover of the book, um, you know, what Sydney ultimately learns is that sometimes the truth is the most dangerous thing to discover. True. So when you were sitting down to kind of conceive the idea of the book, what was it the, the thing that kind of got you really excited? Was it, you know, was it the plot, the idea? Was it the characters that, that kind of got you going on this? What was it that really, uh, you know, got you into this one? So I'm, I just love true crime. Uh, I love all of these documentaries that are out, uh, Serial, Making a Murder, The Jinx, uh, Dirty John, uh, S-Town, all these, all these great uh, true crime stories that are out. I've, uh, I just kind of became a fan of them. So as I was thinking of um, the outline when, when I was starting to write this book, I came up with the idea that the protagonist would be a documentary filmmaker and she would be doing uh, creating a, a documentary much like 
the ones that are out there now. Um, the genesis of the, sto- of the story, how I, how I thought of the character. And then, um, you know, uh, we've tried to figure out where, what, the, what the case would be about. What, you know, was it a murder? Where would it take place? And uh, ultimately, I think we, you know, came up with some, some great uh, hooks, which is a, a documentary filmmaker, creating a, a, move, uh, a, a real-time documentary just like Serial, producing a new episode each, each week to week. And so the, you know, the, the viewers are learning about uh, the new evidence at the same time the investigator is. It takes place in St. Lucia, uh, so it's, uh, it has an exotic sort of tropical uh, uh, setting and it, the filmmakers flying back and forth from New York to St. Lucia to do the documentary. So all of these things fell into place, but ultimately it came from my uh, my love of watching and listening to true crime uh, documentaries and podcasts. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of those. Um, also, I mean, like the ID Discovery Channel and all those. You get fascinated and then you start seeing the story and you're like, Man, I don't even know if an author could make that up that well. <laughs> That's a scary Some stuff. Some of them are stranger than fiction, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, being in the love of the true crime and, and being in kind of that vein, have you thought of actually, you know, going out and researching and doing a nonfiction book? Never. <laughs> really? Never. Yeah, see, the part of that, I, the thing I love about about this book, Don't Believe It in particular, is that um, if, you, if you watch a lot of these documentaries or you listen to the podcast, there's not a lot of resolution to them. They're, they're sort of, the best they can do is a retelling of the story. And sometimes they'll come up with some new facts that were overlooked. Uh, and when I say they, I mean the, the filmmakers. Um, you know, I put, a, I put a beginning of the book from Alfred Hitchcock, and it says, in feature films, the director is God. In documentary films, God is the director, because you can't, it's a, it's a real-life story. It's a true crime story. You can't change the facts. You can only retell the facts, and if, you're, if you get really lucky uh, creating one of these films, you might find some new facts, but you can't, you can't make up the facts. So when I'm writing a book, when I'm writing a novel, and I'm making the story up, I'm creating the story, I can create any facts I want. And the, these true crime documentaries, if there's one you know, thing that, that disappoints readers, you know, get past the fact that somebody died and it's a real crime, is that there's not a lot of answers. There's, there's uh, a whole bunch of questions, and that's kind of the lure. And, but the filmmakers never really end up providing a lot of answers. So that would turn me off to trying to write a true crime book. In my, in my novel, I create as many answers as I want and a great closure and uh, hopefully a shocking ending. True. I, yeah, I mean, you're able to take a little bit more liberties, but sometimes when I've spoken to some true crime people, it's the research that they, that they start falling in love with, and actually the book becomes more of a chore to write, but they just love, like, diversing themselves into the research but even when you're researching a fiction book you know how much of those things do you kind of find like for researching don't believe in and looking into it what kind of myths kind of get this you know kind of get this uh dissipated when you 
uh, are looking into these things, but you might have some preconceived notion of something, but then you get into it and you're like, wait a second, that's totally different than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think that's with, you know, with any fiction writer, you, you do your best to write a good outline or to kind of in your mind know where the story's going. But the, the fun about writing is the, the finished product, you know, always looks different than my original uh, vision of what the story was going to be. And don't believe it, you know, for about half the book I had, um, you know, we won't give any spoilers away, but I, I, as I was creating, as I was writing the book for about half of it, I had a different um, bad guy in mind for what ultimately happened. And as I was writing the story, it just, the story unfolded in a way that just didn't allow that to happen. So I'm sure if you're, if you're um, producing or, or creating something um, nonfiction, uh, those those discoveries would be more uh, more startling because you think you already know how the how the story ends. But if you find something different that brings you in a different direction, I could see why true crime would you know true crime nonfiction would be fascinating to to research. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's one. I've always like kind of loved true crime, and I love watching those shows too. And how close, I guess, is it to you know the not really the truth, but you know how kind of believable when, when, when people are picking up, don't believe it, where they almost kind of sit back and say, "Wow, you know, is, is this kind of real? Did this, you know, I, I mean, is this something that can kind of really go on? Were you conscious of that?" when you were making the book that you wanted readers to kind of have that sense of uh, realness. Yeah, for sure. Because again, my, my uh, inspiration for the book were all these popular true crime uh, stories that are going on now from Amanda Knox to serial to making a murder, the jinx, the keepers, um, you know, paradise lost, which is the story of the West Memphis three Anybody who's ever watched any of those documentaries, I'm hoping will love the book because the book follows very closely uh, the creation of a real-time documentary, meaning that although obviously it's sensationalized for, for my novel, but the, the producer, the filmmaker, is creating a, a documentary that airs every week on television. And from week to week, she's got to come up with uh, new evidence and a new subject that keeps the viewers engaged. And so anyone who's ever watched a true crime documentary or if you, you know, got hooked on Serial, where you were Serial, you were actually listening to the podcast every week, hoping uh, to kind of hear what Sarah Koenig had discovered in her investigation. And so the invest the uh, documentary that takes place in don't believe it is very realistic in the sense that it's been done in real life many times uh, over the course of the last few years with all these uh, popular documentaries. Mm-hmm. So what kind of, what character in the book was when, and I always ask this kind of question because I always find it interesting is there's always those secondary characters that really round out the book. They're the ones who fill in all the blanks. Uh, with, with the book and with the author, so which which one or two kind of characters you know really surprised you 
with having maybe a bigger voice than you maybe thought they would kind of at the beginning of the story and, you know, really kind of stepped up and, and kind of almost took things over at times. Well, in this book in particular, you'll find, you'll meet a character named Gus Morelli, who is um, at, at first, and in my mind, originally he played a much smaller role in the book, but at first he's um, kind of a curmudgeon old man that, uh, that is difficult to see exactly how he fits into the story because you only see his scenes every once in a while. Ultimately, he, I always wanted him to play a bigger role. He, he ultimately um, gets involved with the documentary. We won't say more because I don't want to give any spoilers out, but he, he, also, he was always going to uh, 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 play some significance in the story, as the story unfolded, his character just took off and um, he became one of my favorite uh, uh, secondary characters probably that I've ever written in any of my other thrillers. Um, so uh, Gus Morelli, I know it's hard when readers haven't read the book yet, but he's, uh, I, I know readers are going to really like this character. Yeah. And, you know, for fans of your other books, you know, because this isn't your first rodeo. I mean, you've been doing this for, for quite some time now. Are they going to see, like, not a, not a different, you know, Charlie Donnelly, but is there something that you kind of did maybe in this book that you experimented with? Uh, you know, was it, were you looking more uh, setting, more dialogue, more things? Was there something that you were trying to focus on to become like a different, you know, uh you know, Charlie Donnelly? Well, my first two books took place in um, North Carolina, and they had a really deep setting involved in the, in, in their, in the story. Uh, in the first book, it was the title of the book's called Summit Lake, and uh, I created this fictional town, this fictional um, mountain town called Summit Lake, where the, where the murder takes place and the action takes place. And um, people, readers, really sort of this this town resonated with them, uh, with readers, and I've heard from so many of them that just you know they loved this idea of Summit Lake. They were they're all disappointed when they learn that there's no such place as Summit Lake. I just created it. Uh, it's a fictional town. Um, the second book, I so many readers had had told me that oh I hope you keep the second book in in North Carolina, which I did, and created a fictional town. Um, in uh, in the second book, the girl who was taken again, it was really deep in setting and um, kind of resonated with a lot of readers. The third book, don't believe it, I actually started and I tried to write the story to take place in North Carolina, but it just it didn't work. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't believable that a uh, you know that a filmmaker, a successful filmmaker, lived in North Carolina or did a story in North Carolina. It just wasn't working. So I guess the difference is I moved the setting for this third book. Um, okay. But in doing so, I've I've heard from the early readers who have who have read it that you know the sort of the jumping between New York, Manhattan, and St. Lucia it worked because people are really liking the setting in this book as well, even though it's a little bit of a of a different uh, location than I did the other two books in. Mm-hmm. But, and, but everything else, thrillers, the the thrilling aspects, the suspense, the kind of who done it that uh, 
made the other two books really popular are still still here in in uh and don't believe it i hope i hope more so gotcha so what is it that drives you like back to the typewriter what's the thing that really drives your writing and and your passion to to bring these stories to the people my deadlines <laughs> uh, you know, I was, I was up early eat. this yeah. morning writing. writing <laughs> I was up before this interview writing uh, the manuscript that's due that'll be out next year. No, you know, you got to love it. If you don't love it, you're, you'll never be a writer. I, I wrote, uh, you know, manuscripts are, that were all rejected and that, you know, I couldn't find an agent for and was rejected by like you know, a hundred agents and a hundred pub- publishers before I ever broke out and, and, uh, had my first book published. So you got to love to write and you got to love to storytell and you got to love to, you know, you got to love to read and you got to love to find that one book that you can't put down. And if you, and if you've, if you've ever experienced that where you've read a book and you just didn't want it to end and you couldn't stop thinking about it, if you've experienced that, then not only do you have a love for reading, but for me that translated into a love for writing because my my goal when I write any book is to create a story where the reader just doesn't want to put it down and can't stop thinking about it. And when they get close to the end, there's some sadness there because they don't want the book to end. Um, And all of that has to be, I think, inside of you as a writer. Uh, Otherwise, A, you won't finish a book. You just, the manuscript will just die in the middle uh, or it'll translate into a, you know, a book that, you know, that's not terribly inspired. The story won't be terribly inspiring. So all of that kind of led leads to me pushing me to the typewriter every morning and uh, forcing me to get my 2000 words out. God, not, and do you do a lot of conferences uh, around? Do you like to, you know, go out, see people, shake the hands and do all those kinds of things? Or do you just kind of, you know, do more email and more social media and things that way. I, no, I, I do both. I mean, I'm, I'm heavy on okay. social media and I, and I don't think I've ever allowed a message or an email from a reader to go unanswered. And if I, if I don't specifically answer it, um, you know, I have helped people who, who help me out with the emails because there's at times there's so many of them. I just, I don't have time to get through them all, but we always respond to every every reader who, who writes to me. I also I, I love going out and doing conferences. Last year I did a big conference in Chicago, Chicago's Writers Workshop. You know the, the the problem is that when you're writing or you're touring or you're um, on the road, it, it's hard. I, I don't get as much writing time, and um, you know ultimately my job is to deliver this next book, uh, you know, the, uh, to my publisher. And although I love going out and meeting people, sometimes I just, the, I, there's too many time restraints to, to do every conference or every appearance that is offered to you, but I do as many as I can. Yeah. And when the challenge, of course, I always tell people is, you know, writing the book is easy. Selling the book is always the most difficult part but a lot of authors, you know, don't feel comfortable sometimes in, in getting out there and doing, uh, you know, the marketing and doing the and doing all that, you know, stuff that's 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 required. Uh, what's something that you would tell authors 
that, you know, you've been doing this for a while now, you know, something that if they're not comfortable in doing, what would you kind of tell them that they really should maybe start, you know, what path to kind of did you take to just kind of just jump right in? Well, what I would tell, what I would tell a, a, a writer who actually has a book coming out, you know, if, you know, many years ago, I had a, I, I, like many people was timid about talking and, you know, public speaking. And the only way you're going to be able to sell a book and make appearances is if you find a way to get over that fear. If you have a fear of public speaking, which makes sense because writers are, you know, sitting in a room all by themselves most of the time that they're, uh, that they're working, it makes sense that they're not always the best public speakers. You got to get over that and you got to get find a way to um, get in front of people and articulately uh, tell your story and um, tell others about the, about the book you've written. I've always told people I had uh, years ago, I went to a, to a, a bookstore to do an appearance. And I remember I was getting the hang of these appearances and talking in front of these groups of people. And then I went to this uh, bookstore and there was no, there was actually only two people showed up for the signing. And it was terrible because it was, they were parents of friends of mine. So there wasn't even, I couldn't even get strangers off the street to come in. And so I always tell people when I, when I talk to writers who say, I don't know if I can get up in front of people. I said, it's a lot easier talk to a room full of people and to get up uh, and, and talk in front of a room of, you, you know, you, you'll get over it. You'll find a way to do it. But yeah, I mean, if you publish traditionally and uh, there's going to be opportunities to go talk at conferences and workshops and uh, make appearances at bookstores and you'll get over it. You just got to find a way to, uh, to do it. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah. And, and that's true. So what do you got coming up in the future? What do you got going on for everybody? So don't believe it comes out Tuesday. And uh, right. we're going to have some appearances uh, in the Midwest. And then I'm going on a Brazilian book tour in August. So we're going to go uh, hit uh, four or five uh, cities in Brazil. That'll be in August. And then I have a little bit more to do when I get back in uh, September and October for appearances, and then I'm going to disappear uh, to get to finish the uh, the next book and get it all all set for next June's release, uh, and that'll keep me busy for the rest of the year. Nice. Well, hey, Charlie, we want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been fascinating to speak with you about your latest book here. Don't believe it. Again, out March 29th or March May 29th. Uh, which is on Tuesday. So if you're listening to the show now, just go pre-order the book on Amazon or, you know, have yourself a nice Memorial Day weekend, wake up Tuesday morning and say, shit, Charlie's book's out, and then go buy it. Um, Amen. So we want to thank you so much for coming in. And the best website for people to find you at is just charliedonleybooks.com, and that's D-O-N-L-E-A.com. So charliedonlea.com. For more information, and of course, the book is called Don't Believe It. So, Charlie, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. All right. You enjoy. We'll talk later. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. 
So again, everybody, that is author Charlie Donlay, and the book is called Don't Believe It. So make sure you check that out uh, on May 29th, Tuesday. We are going to take a short break, and we'll be back here with um, Sisters in Crime, and they're going to be speaking again about the Eleanor Taylor Bland um, the writing contest that's uh, going on. It's a Crime Fiction Writers of Color Award. It's an annual grant of $1,500 for an emerging writer of color. So it's something that we're very, very interested. We're very, very much behind. Um, it's a great organization and a great thing, so we're going to be speaking about that, along with just, of course, Sisters in Crime in general. And if you're unfamiliar with what they are, many self-published authors and many authors emerge and don't even know about these organizations uh, we tell people every day, like the ITW, International Thriller Writers, um, a lot of people know Mystery Writers of America, but it's a lot of other groups out there that you need to go and search and, and find that community of writers with you, which will just help you better when you're in those times of need that you need to, you know, the writer's blocks or anything to get, you know, to get struggle. It's always great to have opinions from many different people that have walked that path. So Sisters in Crime is one of those organizations uh, so we're going to be back right now uh, in a second, and in the meantime, we're going to play, you know, let's play a little uh, Fast Times. I know you guys like that one.
welcome back, everybody, here after the break. Again, we want to thank Charlie Donnelly for coming on and talking about his book. But we're going to transition to something that the magazine has always supported. We always support every single writing organization, book club, anything at all that has to do with the helping of the authors and the community of the writing. Uh, we can't be more pleased. And it was great when Sisters in Crime emailed us about their open submissions for the 2018 Eleanor Taylor Crime Fiction Writer, uh, Fiction Writers of Color Award. And we were like, oh, absolutely, you know, this is something that we want to get involved in. So we were able to get um, uh, a, couple of, a couple of them to talk on the phone. We're waiting on one, but right now we're going to be speaking here with uh, Sherry Harris. So, Sherry, thank you so much for coming on. And we're waiting on Kelly to join us, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Okay, thank you for having me. Yeah, really I mean, like I said, you. She's, She's got to let you do the heavy lifting today, even though she's moving. She's like, Sherry can do the heavy lifting on this one. It so, sounds like so, it. So let's get a, So, again, um, I'm going to kind of read here what you guys sent me, and it's the Eleanor Taylor Bland Crime Fiction Writers of Color Award is an annual grant of $1,500 for emerging writer of color. An unpublished writer is preferred, although publication of one work of short fiction and academic work or one or two self-published or traditionally public books will not disqualify the applicant. And the website I'm going to give out is it's sistersincrime.org, and then it's backslash page, backslash Eleanor Taylor Bland. So um, you guys can write that down, and I'll give it again. So now I want you to explain a little bit about this award, the inception, and, and what it is, and what you'd be looking for with applicants. Okay. Well, um, back in, I think it was late or early, late 2013, Libby Hillman and Mary Harris, who were friends of Eleanor's, approached the board saying there was a little bit of money left over in her estate, and could we um, do something, help set up an award to honor her? And that was the inception um, of the award and at the time it looked like it might just be that year but sisters in crime has continued that award um with the first one going out in 2014 and the award is um to help someone along in their career so they can use it to go to conferences or take a class or go to a retreat and it's um Fifteen hundred dollars. If I didn't mention that. Okay. Um, and so the the application period starts March fifteenth and goes through June fifteenth, and so people still who are listening still have time to put in the application, and that can be found on the link you mentioned before. Right. I'm going to read it again too. It's sistersincrime.org backslash page backslash Eleanor Taylor Bland. So make sure if you guys, you know, uh, get that site. And, again, I'll keep reading it just so you know. Uh, so how did Sisters in Crime kind of become involved with this? Um, who, what was, the, what was the, the need, I guess, you just kind of said, you know, to say, you know, we, this is something that we need to have? Right. Well, um, we're always – reaching out particularly to um i mean the the whole organization started 
because women write crime fiction writers were not being represented as well as men crime fiction writers. And so we're continually broadening um, what we can do to help underserved communities. And um, Eleanor Taylor Bland was an amazing example of a female African-American crime fiction writer. She wrote 14 books um, between, I think it was 2000, um, no, excuse me, it was 1992 and 2007. And um, we just want to make sure other people have opportunities to get their works out there and to grow their careers. Gotcha. Now, Sisters in Crime, of course, has been around for, for quite some time, and you have chapters in, in many different cities around, and then it's a national organization also. And, you know, it's a community for writers. It's a community to join with writers and a community to just, you know, uh, be involved with the writing process. Like I said, you know, hey, you're stumped. You've got writer's block. You meet some writers in these organizations. You can email them. You also get peer reviews. I mean, there's so many different things, of course, that, that it does. What you know? What are some of the functions of Sisters in Crime? How can people join? How can people get involved? Maybe volunteer. Maybe start a chapter in their town if there's one not there. Um, how are those things working for Sisters in Crime? Right. Um, well, the our mission statement says it's to promote the advancement, recognition, and professional development of women crime writers, and. That is so true, but it's so much more. Um, personally, for me, it's been friendships, a hand up, and I truly believe if I hadn't joined Sisters in Crime, I might never have been published because it was, hey, do you know someone that could write this series kind of thing? And um, that's that's the the very bottom level of you know the big picture of organization. It's one on one people helping each other and it's why it's such an important and even though we're called sisters in crime um, men can join the organization too as long as they're willing to help promote the um, advancement of women in and their careers and um, anyway (laughs) so that's our our broad focus. We also have an internet chapter. Um, so for people that don't live someplace where they can go to an actual chapter meeting, which has been a wonderful resource to so many people. Now, and and everything, of course, is found on your website, um, and that's the yes. and that would be one of the main places for people to go. Now, are you a writer yourself? I am. I. Um, write the Sarah Winston Garage Sale Mysteries for Kensington. I, uh, the fifth one wait, came whoa, out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I didn't know this. You write the Lori Laughlin Garage Sale Mystery books? Oh, oh nope, I don't write those. Oh, dear. I, I know, and it's so interesting because the woman that writes the um, ones that We were going to have a whole movies. different conversation if that was you. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but the woman that that writes those bo- the books that, that those movies are based on are uh, lives like 15 minutes from me. And, oh, that's hilarious. 
It is. It is. And she's a, a really lovely person, another member of Sisters in Crime. And um, so, yes, I, everybody always thinks those are my book, my movies, and sadly they're not. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, but – so, so you write. So you know. So you write. How many books have you written in your series? So the fifth one came out in February. Oh, nice. It's called "I Know What You Bid Last Summer," and <laughs> I love that. I'm, <laughs> thanks. And I I'm writing that. the one right now, and I'm also starting a sec- second series um, that'll probably come out in 2019 sometime. So, so when you were starting out as an unpublished author, what was mm-hmm. one of the things that you started looking for? I mean, of course, you know, you're looking for the agent and the publisher. But, right. you know, were you were you involved in writing organization, book clubs, things of those natures for helping of writers? Or did you kind of find that after you started to become published? No, I um, when I, I used to live in Florida and I was in a small writer's group. And then we moved to Northern Virginia, and I found out about the um, Malice Domestic Conference, yeah, which is a fan convention Chicago. for it's no, it's in Bethesda, Maryland. Oh, that one's in Bethesda. Okay, there's a Malice yeah. one in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, I knew, I it does have Malice in it too, but this one's Malice Domestic, and okay. so I started going, meeting other authors, and. Um, I met a woman at the banquet named Julie Henricus, and she said, you have to join Sisters in Crime. And I did, and it's opened so many doors for me personally. So, And that's, and that's what the um, Eleanor Taylor Bland Award is going to do, too. It's going to bring people into a community of writers that are supportive and that want to help them up like so many of us has been have been helped up through the organization. Yeah. And and that's the and that's the part that, you know, you were supported with. You were able to kind of have that support uh when you kind of got into it. Now, are you a member of any other writing organizations? I mean, you, do you join many of them to to see many different things? Yes, I I belong to Mystery Writers of America and International Thriller Writers too. Um, they're all such great organizations, and we all have some commonality because we're focused on crime fiction. And um, the crime fiction community through all of these organizations is so supportive and helpful, and it's so easy to reach out to someone. Even you know, if you've been writing for a long time or you're just starting your writing career, um, all three organizations are just amazing to help um, people. Again, so and again, you know, we're still waiting on Kelly. It looks like Kelly's not going to make it, though. I don't think she's going to be here. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it, which is is a shame. I know she had some other things on her plate today, and maybe because of the time difference between California and the East Coast, mm-hmm. um, something happened. So that's um, all right. But now, <laughs> what other thing? So besides, uh, you know, this award uh, that you guys give out. What other things, you know, the the Sisters in Crime, you know, kind of do throughout the year? Are there any other grants? Are there any other um, kinds of things that you guys do, uh, you know, any other kinds of awards or submissions that you guys take? We um, 
have we just started this year a new program of education grants where members um, can apply for it. Say you're, you want to go to a writing conference or you want to take a class but you don't have enough money, and these are um, $150 education grants that um, can help you to pay for an online class, an in-person class. Um, say you want to go to um, one of the – Thriller Fest has a, a, um, some classes before their big conference. And um, so it's available. There's Writers of Police Academy. You can apply the $150 to attend that. And we're really excited about that. We also have a speakers bureau that um, matches chapters with a list of um, speakers that have volunteered to go and speak. And we give grants to the chapters to cover the expenses of the speaker and um, we also give out other grants to the chapters for $1,000 a year if they want to bring in some other speaker that's not on the speaker bureau list. So um, we really have a lot of different things that are available to our members. Yeah, that's and yeah. and a lot of and and do you do they do that through? the local chapter and then the national chapter or does the local chapter do things different? Like if people live in Chicago or Nashville or Miami and there's a local chapter there, do those local chapters kind of work with the national on those ends? How do those, uh, how do those things kind of work together? Right. So local chapters. So I used to be the president of our, um, I live in Northern Virginia. And so it's called the Chesapeake chapter of sisters in crime and um, we we do work with National. The 30th anniversary of Sisters in Crime was last year, and so we applied for a grant, and we had a big celebration. We are lucky enough to have two past presidents living locally, and so they came and spoke to us about their time as president of um, Sisters in Crime, which was so inspiring. They're both amazing women, and... Um, so every chapter can do things like that. All chapters have their own programming. We have an upcoming meeting locally with a police officer um, who's also a writer that's coming to speak with us. We do. We got to do a tour of the Library of Congress. Um, oh, cool. And so, yeah, it was amazing. They did a. They called a spec- special collection of their um, mystery authors. Um, things so we got to see Truman Capote's uh, notes from In Cold Blood and Shirley Jackson's note from the lottery and it was just amazing so all chapters have events in their local areas that would be similar to this type of thing um, that the Chesapeake chapter does uh, and then, that's, that's cool it, it really is and then the internet chapter which is called the Guppies which started as a group for um, the Great Unpublished. And they have tons of classes. And they, uh, you know, people can, they have a listserv that's really active. So if you have a question like, um, how do I find an agent? Or I got this rejection, what do you make of it? 
there's just this whole supportive community there to answer your questions. Or if you're going to indie publish, there's another um, listserv for people that are indie publishing, you know, where do I find somebody to do my cover for me and that sort of thing. So it's just, um, it's a very supportive organization. And it, it, it's open to everyone, <laughs> not yeah. not just women, as I said. So, and um, how and and they're all over the place, true. I mean, you guys have, um, you you guys have chapters in how many cities now across the United States? Oh gosh, I knew you would ask me a question I didn't have the answer to. Well, there's um, a lot, right? There are. There's oh gosh, I am frantically trying to find that on on our website as we speak. Um, they're all over the country. Northern or Virginia has three separate chapters uh, because the the um, the uh, you know state is so broad, and it's the same thing with um, you know states like California and. Um, places like Arizona that are everybody's so spread out now I cannot find an actual number for you I'm so sorry we have a couple chapters in Canada and we have members that belong from all over the world so it's um, yeah oh you guys worldwide too yes there's several um, chapters in Canada and you know we have members that belong in Australia and um all over the place so so the 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 website says we have 50 plus chapters scattered throughout the US and Canada so wow yeah i mean yes. and i i know that there are, and i i mean i know i see a lot of sisters in crime and and i see a lot of things all over why don't you guys have your own um I was always wondering, like, why don't do you guys? You guys don't have your own, you know, conference, do you? Right, we we do not. And I think they did one years ago. And um, instead of doing our own conference, we have um, a big breakfast twice a year. Once is at Malice Domestic in Bethesda, and the other, and that's always in the spring. And the other is at BoucherCon. Um, which is mm. in the fall, and this year is in St. Petersburg, Florida. That one travels from city to city, and so it's a. So many of our members go to that anyway, that it's um, a great way to just tap into the community of people that are already attending a, an event. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So you have things that are around, so people can, um, you know, at different places, they'll see Sisters in Crime around to be able to talk and, and do all that stuff. Right. And, you know, we we try to go. We we can't make it to every big conference, obviously, but um, a lot of times we'll be at Left Coast Crime. Uh, I'm trying to think of other conferences. So we, we try to have a presence. Um, New England Crime Bake always invites the president to come and be a part of their um, conference. It's a writer's conference in the fall and so we make it to lots of things like that and and so in the um in the at BoucherCon is when we um uh talk about the Eleanor Taylor Bland recipient 
they can come. They don't have to come. They can use part of their grant money for that if they'd like to, and they get um, can be they're honored and recognized. And then we do an article in our quarterly magazine called In Sync, and um, then in the the spring we have a special scholarship that's to honor Dorothy Cannell, and um, the recipient of that gets a scholarship to attend Malice Domestic. Wow, you guys, there's a lot of lot of things going on with <laughs> Sisters in Crime that people could. I mean, and, you, and we just probably just scratched the the tip of the iceberg on this one. There there are a lot of things. It's a really dynamic organization, and we're always trying to find new ways to reach people that um, want to be part of a writing community. Yes. So it, it's really it's a really special organization, and um, we have a great history. You know, Sarah Paretsky and Nancy Picard and um, oh gosh, so many women that got together when they um, saw that there was just a, a need for another organization. So, been great. Without a doubt. Hey, well, so everything is on your website, I would say. So, sistersincrime.org, the main website. Yes. But for the Eleanor Taylor Bland Award, if you're interested and you want to find more information, you go to sistersincrime.org backslash page, backslash Eleanor Taylor Bland. So remember, you do sistersincrime.org, backslash page, backslash Eleanor Taylor Bland. So we want to thank uh, all of you for for listening. And we want to thank you so much for coming on to speak about this great, you know, this great grant. But, of course, you know, again, just everything that Sisters in Crime does, and we could talk for three hours and probably still never hit everything (laughs) that you guys do. And, you know, but that's and, and that's the funny thing that I talked about before, that there's some people and there's authors and self-published authors, they don't even know these organizations exist, and you guys are everywhere. And it's like, it's just it just amazes me that we continually have to tell authors, well, are you a member of this? Are you a member of this? They're like, what is that? And I'm like, honestly? Right. Like, where were you? Well, I mean, I know, the internet, I know the Internet's only about, you know, 25 years old maybe, but come on, you didn't live under a rock that long. Well, and we really appreciate Suspense Magazine because not only are you having us on today, we know you spread the word. You do so many reviews um, for authors like me and, um, you know, that are starting our careers. And it's just um, you guys are such an important part of the crime fiction community, too. So really appreciate you having us on. and, you know, thank you so much because the one thing that we do is any member who is a member of Sisters in Crime, you get the magazine for free. I, I mean, know. We give it to, See, there's a, yeah, we another give it to wonderful free. benefit. Yes, yeah, I and, mean, and, so if, yeah, I mean, if, however, you, however they want to get, I mean, if they want to email me, I can send it to or I could send it to somebody, you know, one of you guys to get it out. But we always say anybody a member of these writing organizations, we give the magazine out you know, for free because we just want people to read it because we get a lot of information that we get from authors and things like that, that it's just a helpful way. It's just something that we just like to do. So we want to thank you Absolutely. Um, for that. Yeah. Well, well, hey, it's been great to talk to you. You know, sorry we couldn't get Kelly on here, but you know what? That's yeah. all right. We did it all of our own. And who we says we did. Can't do this we alone, handled right? it, didn't we? <laughs> we did. We made it through this yeah. thing. So 
But Sherry, well, we want to thank you so much. Hey, you know what? What is plug your um your your personal website where your books are? Oh, thank you. It's SherryHarrisAuthor.com, and uh, all the books are listed on there. And it's uh, I try to share some of my garage sale tips too. So. Yeah. So <laughs> Sherry too. Harris book or Sherry Harris Author dot com to find out your information and of course i'll read yep. this one more time for everybody sisters org is the main page and then you go to sisters org backslash page backslash eleanor taylor bland for more information on this award fifteen hundred dollars for an emerging writer of color and it goes on till you said um what june 15th entries are june, right entries are due by june 15th, by june 15th. for this year Yes, and it'll be back again next year then. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sherry. Enjoy, and we will talk with you soon. Okay, thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, so everybody, we want to thank you all for joining us. We want to thank Charlie John Lee for coming on and talking with us about his first, about his latest book, Don't Believe It. And then, of course, uh, it was great to have Sherry Harris on to talk about Sisters in Crime and the Eleanor Taylor Bland Award. Uh, So check all that out and find out more information. Again, we'll be back with you guys in a couple of weeks for our next show, and then we'll have one more after that before we take like about a month or six weeks off uh, before we we will then come back into August. Of course, you can always have the Story Blender, uh, which is going to have a new episode up, and then Beyond the Cover, uh, which will be back um, on June 5th, I believe. I, I think Yeah, June 5th and then the 19th. So we always got something for you. So, again, everybody, we want to say thank you for joining us, and keep reading. See you next time. Bye-bye.